0: Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Making Action Happen. I'm your host, Brian McCain. Sarah is out paying bills right now and doing some Action 22 stuff, so it's going to be just me. So today... Um if you follow politics at all, specifically the 3rd District and now the 5th District and the 4th District, um, it's across the board open seats for it's, the Republican it's seats. It's mayhem. Yeah. Absolutely mayhem. And, and um, so what we're doing featuring some of the candidates that are Action 22 members, uh, you know, we support our members. We don't endorse candidates, but we do support our members, including all candidates running for office, and offer them a platform to come on and kind of tell us what they're about. So today we have Russ Andrews. He's in town. Doing some politicking around yeah, AB, Pueblo.
1: ABC, Always Beat Campaign. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we invited him to come in and tell us about himself, his platform, why he's running, what he's going to do, and just pick his brain a little yeah, bit. sure. So All right.
1: Thanks for coming on. Tell, tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. I appreciate the platform here. Yeah. So thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm a conservative business owner from the Roaring Fork Valley near Glenwood Springs. Um, I had a 15-year running a weekly political talk radio show in Aspen. That's in Aspen. You heard that, right? So.
0: <laughs> Wait, hold on. So good. Rewind <laughs> a second. So a conservative-leaning talk show in Aspen. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you have like six listeners. Ah, on it. no, it's <laughs>
1: amazing because the radio signal reached all the way to Vale. Okay, and then down to Rifle. And it's amazing, really, that we have so many people in our valley who are actual real conservatives, but they're swamped by yeah. the, the, the noise from the left. Yeah. So I gave those people a voice. And, yep. I, and I mean, I I get it all the time. People come up to me and thank me, you know, for what I've done. But other people come up, and this is on video, so I'll show you. I've had this happen at least fifty times in fifteen years. Well, I'll go to shake someone's hand, and uh, Russ do. Andrews, wham! Yeah. Like a spring-loaded. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. it comes. So I've had a lot of fun with that radio show. I understand radio is about entertainment. Mm-hmm. My campaign manager won't let me do one of my entertainment sticks today, though. <laughs> so he's weighs two hundred sixty pounds, so I'll listen. Yeah, all right. I'm um, staring. At right yes, now. he is. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric. Uh, I have a degree in marine engineering I uh, achieved in 1983 um, from what is now uh, the highest ranked um, mid to, uh, career earnings college in the country. So in other words, you graduate from my school, New York Maritime College, and 10 years out, you're making about 185000 a year. The average. Wow. So that's pretty good. Uh, the degree I earned is marine engineering, and as a marine engineer, you learn how to design and operate mobile and stationary power plants. So I know how to run, you know, natural gas, you know, mm-hmm. uh, turbine power plants. Uh, obviously, steam, oil-fired steam, coal. Uh, my roommate in college uh, worked. He focused on nuclear, and if you know anybody that worked in a reactor room in the mm-hmm. nuclear navy. They know my roommate. They had oh, wow. to go through his program.
0: And that's that's very um, very on topic for Pueblo right now, and we're going to do a show about it later. But um, we're going through this issue where Comanche 3 is being retired earlier than projected. I think it was going to be 2070 or 2080, and they keep pushing it back. And Sarah, my co-host, who's not here today, Sarah, uh, she was on the PISAC, which was the Pueblo something-something energy I it's like a huge acronym, but uh, they were put together and it was business leaders, community leaders, industry leaders to figure out a replacement for Comanche 3. They released their findings last week and one of the recommendations was a small modular nuclear reactor. Sure. And um, Pueblo has a history of being very anti-nuclear. Um, Colorado in general has an mm-hmm. anti-nuclear um kind of stance and a lot of that i think we had an archaeologist that came on last week and what he's doing is cataloging all the uranium mines in colorado Mm -hmm. and part of that stigma with nuclear is you know the the boom rush of uranium was in colorado so you have thousands of these mines that there were no safety regulations and there was some pretty bad fallout from it Pardon the pun, but yeah, you know, there was some health <laughs> stuff that happened right? because literally he the way he described it, you would walk across the mountain on the west slope, kinda of by Grand Junction, have a Geiger counter, and if it spiked, you would dig a hole, pile up the dirt and come in and sell it. Basically that wow. was it. Like no Wow. Seriously. No, yeah, no masks, no equipment. Wow. Um, and, and the only person you could sell it to was the United States government. Mm-hmm. And they were just, you know, it was more valuable than gold at the time. So sure. everybody was out there doing it. So now you have thousands of these small mines. That's uranium. It's just uranium tailings. And then some of the chemicals they used to get out along with the larger mines that were dealing with it as well. And I, I was thinking about it when we were talking after the show and you know, the, some of the, one of the political parties in Colorado says no nuclear, mm-hmm. no new Colorado. You have rockets. No anarchy. Yeah. Especially with ace. Yeah. And I think that maybe how the problems we had in the past are not the problems we would have now with nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. And I, and
1: Well, you know, we're at fourth, fifth generation designs. Mm-hmm. So this isn't Fukushima, which wasn't a bad design. Yeah, yeah, Just put in a bad spot. Yeah. And what happened there, uh, you know, the steam cycle is pretty simple. It's the first thing you learn on the very first day when you go to my school. Water comes out of the condenser, goes through the feed pumps, through the, the furnace, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the boiler, and then turns into steam and then turns a, a turbine then goes back into the condenser. Yeah. So what happened in Fukushima was, the feed pump that, that pressurizes the water that goes into uh, the reactor vessel, in mm-hmm. this case, uh, it, it, it got swamped, and they, it got shut down. I actually asked my roommate about this. I said, why don't they have a backup feed pump running? These things are huge, and they suck yeah. up a lot of energy, yeah. and that was the reason why. It, it, it hurts the energy profile, but yeah. it would have saved the plant. Yeah. So that's what happened there, but the small modular designs – Aren't like that at all? No, I mean, no, not at all. Yeah. So, so you know, there's a guy in our valley, Amory Lovins. I love this guy. Uh, there were what we called. I'm a financial advisor of 36 mm-hmm. years, and when I started with Merrill Lynch in 1987, Washington State had, I believe, was three nuclear power plants about to come online, that, and they were called the Whoops plants. Whoops. Yeah. And this is back when interest rates were higher, and they had issued tax-free municipal bonds yielding eight percent. Amory Lovins held that project up for five years. Hmm under some environmental review. Well, in the meantime, they still had to pay interest on the bonds. That, that racked, ratcheted up the price 40%. Now what does Amory say, Amy say about uh, nuclear power? Likes it. It's too expensive. It's too expensive expensive because he drives the prices up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, they don't like energy in any form. We as capitalists understand that capitalism, the lifeblood of capitalism is energy. So this whole push for what I call red energy, I mean, it bleeds red ink and we Mm -hmm. have to get about two thirds of our components from communist red China. It is the greatest misallocation of capital in the history of mankind, in my opinion. And let me give you an example. What, ostensibly is the reason to convert our internal combustion engine fleet to an EV fleet. What, what are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to save the environment. Yeah, yeah. So um, it would, doing so, if we took every car and every van in the United States, replaced them with EVs, it would reduce global emissions by 0.18%. So if there's anybody listening here, well, whatever, hi there. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anybody uh, listening here from the Aspen City Council... Uh, That means that 99.82% of greenhouse gases will persist. So it's stupid. It's a misallocated. I mean, think about that. You accomplish nothing by eliminating the whole United States automobile fleet.
0: Well, and, you know, in our our business, what we do with Action 22, (laughs) we focus on jobs and tax revenue, right? Mm -hmm. And so – they're going to have to figure out a way to tax an EV because you don't have the gasoline tax. Right. Um, but you
1: still have the roads. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and you could say you could replace the mechanics jobs with, you know, EV jobs, but I don't think there's a workforce for that. Um, even going back to nuclear, like they didn't say they're going to do nuclear, but that was a recommendation. And the biggest thing with it was the tax base and the jobs. So if we put in a solar field, that's like three jobs yeah, and the tax base is nothing. Right. But a nuclear, I think the reporting could go on their website. It was, you know, 200 jobs mm-hmm. and a huge tax revenue and right. paying jobs. But yeah, going back to the EV. So, but I will feel better driving me. Yeah. Right.
1: right. Yeah. Right. It, but it does it nothing. Is. That's yeah. my point. You can buy it all you want. Pay extra. We subsidize it. It does nothing. It does yeah. nothing. Um, the other point is our grid, our electrical grid isn't terribly stable as it is. Yeah. So these people want to replace baseline, always there electricity with intermittent, not always their electricity, Oh, and add 50% demand to the grid. Yeah. It can't work. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take an engineer to figure it out. It simply cannot yeah. work. So, again, it's the greatest misallocation of capital in mankind, in my opinion. Yeah. So, well, we covered energy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs>
0: but, uh, so, w- why did you decide to run? So, you, you jumped into this race. So, we had um, Congresswoman Bovert running, and we have various Republican candidates jumping in to primary her Uh, More so now that she moved to the fourth district, which, you know, she, if nobody knows, which everybody knows, but she decided not to run in the third district because basically she would lose the election. Yeah. And
1: by the way, I've been telling her since middle of April, I get along fine with Lauren, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't personal for me. It was always a math problem. So as an engineer and as a financial advisor, I'm pretty good at math. And it it dawned on me back in April, she could not possibly beat Adam Frisch. Um, So that was one of the reasons I got into the race. Another reason is uh, that Lauren had her um, abilities focused on everything that seemed to me but bringing – tax dollars back to our district. So in twenty twenty two she brought back one point one billion fewer tax dollars to the district than than the average district enjoyed wow. in the state. And every district has about the same population. Yes. And this is a massive district and it's very impoverished. I could tell you stories all day about our travels. Um but that works out to five thousand eight hundred dollars per family of four that Lauren left on the table back in D C. Yeah. Now that's money that couldn't be that could have been used to fix our roads to fix our bridges um, for for rural hospitals, for outreach for elderly patients, and on and on and on, mm. to build a dog kennel down in Walsendorf. Or, <laughs> Walsenburg, yeah, yeah, I mean, they, whatever, wherever we go, there's needs that aren't being met that could have been met had lauren kind of focused more on that so that's that's one of my big issues and then i you know i'm a different style than lauren lauren was ranked 433rd out of 435 congresspeople by a georgetown university poll in terms of bipartisanship Mm -hmm. my very first plank in my platform is to instruct my staff to reach across the aisle to all other Congress people, mm-hmm. all the 434 and all 100 senators try to put together 10 to 20 minute meetings where we could try to find some common ground to co-sponsor legislation. And I'm going to do that. My, my campaign manager, Eric, says he doesn't think it's ever been done before, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a try.
0: Yeah, um, that's really funny. Who was 485?
1: 435? I don't remember. By the way, they were all Republicans. Oh, first yeah, 30, yeah. Right? It's a Georgetown study. Yeah, so yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But but she was at the back of the yeah, pack. Yeah, she, she was at the back. Yeah. Well,
0: and I know the Republicans had the policy of no, well, earmarks, whatever they call them, congressional-directed funding. But I argued, and, you know, when I was working for Congressman Tipton, we didn't have earmarks. They got yeah. rid of them, and then right when he was out, they brought him back. And we were talking about how – you can use that really to help out somewhere like the third district Mm -hmm. because we have some of the poorest communities and counties in the country and some of the richest counties in the country right but there's no real middle room no there is not it's it's the extreme it's one or the other and i i get the philosophy of earmarks are bad and this See, i disagree I, i disagree too i know where they're coming from but the money just going to go back in anyway. Yes. You know, so that
1: was, you know, that was Lauren's point to me initially back yeah. when we first started doing Lincoln Day dinners together. Well, yeah, well, you know, um, if I, you know, I'm proud that I didn't bring that extra $1.1 back to the district because now it didn't get spent. Uh-uh. It got spent in New York City sad. and Chicago yeah. and San Francisco and L.A. So the other issue, Brian, is this. 72 cents of every dollar the US government spends is income redistribution. Yeah. Right? So the discretionary spending along with um uh, servicing our debt and paying for our military is 28 cents on the dollar. 72 cents on the dollar. You can look at it. Now that includes social security, yeah. Medicare and stuff, but it is in- income redistribution. So for me, you know, my- I think one of the two primary responsibilities of a congressional representative, number two anyway, is to claw back those tax dollars and bring them back to your district. I really do. The primary thing, you know, after Lauren announced uh, a a couple weeks ago, I was on hold. I was on cue to be interviewed by uh, Christy Burton-Brown, our Mm -hmm. former GOP state chair. And I'm listening to some of these people, these candidates that had previously announced in CD4. She's interviewing them. And a couple of them were. Unhinged. Oh, yeah. They were off the charts, not happy that Lauren had announced. And it dawned on me that these guys have lost sight of what the job description is. And the do- job description of a congressional representative is three letters. It's one word. It's you. Yep. It's you. And it's listening to you. Well, that's a fact. I mean, that's the way I view it. So so as we go around, I've changed my speech now. It's no longer a speech where I sit there and talk about the stuff I want to talk about. I throw that out there as and come back and ask me, you know, the four or five things that are really important to me. But really, I'm there to listen to what other people's questions and needs are.
0: Well, When you're going through the 3rd District, and I've traveled it for 15 years pretty mm-hmm. much nonstop, um what are you hearing from the people what are people's concerns what are the constituents the voters whatever you want to call them um
1: politicians concerns mayors and and city councilmen county councilmen it's housing 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 okay um and my point on that is people think tend to think two-dimensionally you know they think of land Uh, you know they still liberals neoliberals still think of wealth is two dimensional. You know, if you have this, you have this part of the pie, they can't get to it. Mm-hmm. It's really three dimensional now. You know, there's ways to create wealth without owning land. Yeah. But but the politicians, they think everybody needs to have a house. I'm like, no, find a place to build a 6-7 story apartment mm-hmm. building. It's much more efficient. Much more cost efficient Mm -hmm. and can house a lot more people. So that's my answer to those people. And I would help them if they're serious about it. When I get to Congress, find the funding to do just that. But I don't think we should build little, little blue houses all across the, the fruited plain for people that can't afford them. Let's get people into safe housing in in nice, clean new apartment buildings. Um, The issues that we hear from individuals, a lot of January six, was it an insurrection? um, that's really a very big one. Um, what else, Eric, would you say? Immigration. Oh, immigration, yeah. I mean, that's that's the, probably the biggest one, especially more so I find over here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the southeast uh, part of the state. So I have a whole comprehensive immigration uh, reform program. Immigration is a big issue. I mean, in, in my little town of Carbondale, Colorado, we have 130 Venezuelans living under a bridge. I
0: saw that. Somebody yeah. sent me that article, and I yeah. had no idea— yeah. That was going on.
1: So immigration nationwide, um, last year, Joe Biden spent $451 billion on immigration. Put that in perspective, Reagan's first-year budget was $562 billion. Mm. I realize that was 40, 41 years ago, but still, this is a massive problem. Um,
0: and what what did he spend that money on? Was this going towards, you know— Immigration and border control. I is
1: didn't. This, I didn't read did it, about the breakdown. I just read the the, the, the gross bets. number, and it is gross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's nuts. So, the, and I you have to if you if you enjoy a little Schadenfreude, you kind of have to uh, chuckle at these sanctuary cities and states that are being inundated with illegals. God, so,
0: New York City, yeah, the one
1: that comes. To mind. So, by the end of his first term, and, and pray to God his only term, he will have allowed in somewhere between 12 million and 14 million people. Think about it. That's just massive. I mean, that our, put that in perspective. The population of Colorado is just under 6 million.
0: And, and I, I'd like to separate it, too. So when we're talking about immigration now, we're talking about basically the open border policy and people coming over here right. illegally. Um, we're not talking about the immigration, whereas it, it – goes towards um agricultural workers right. seasonal visa workers and stuff and i and it upsets me sometimes when those two get thrown together because mm-hmm. it's it's immigration but it's two separate issues sure it is. and there's different ways to approach each side of it and i think in the The rhetoric, when you, when you get political about it from the Dem side, even the Republican side of it, they kind of throw them all in the same
1: pot and it
0: shouldn't be that.
1: Well, we allowed 1.13 million legal immigrants in in 2022. Um, again, by the end of Biden's first term, it'll be 12 million people. And to break down why, uh, you you know, I I use a lot of math. I'm an engineer and financial advisor, but, Typically about half of immigrants vote when they're given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you let in 12 million, that means 6 million will vote. Two thirds vote Democrat, one third vote Republican, which means four, four million will vote Democrat and two million will vote Republicans. So they're going to let in two million net new Democrat mm-hmm. potential net new voters. And in the meantime, we will have suffered somewhere around 450,000 fentanyl deaths. I, yeah. th- I said fentanyl, but it, that's other synthetic yeah, opioids yeah. too. But that's 450,000 opioid deaths to get 2 million new voters. Think about the, the yeah. callous math. They know the math. Yeah. yeah. So, so my idea is build a wall. Finish building the wall, enforce the border. Don't let people in illegally. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Uh, change the asylum laws. You have to apply for asylum in your country or someone else's country, not not I was going to say mine, not our country. Yeah. Um, the drug dealer, the last drug dealer that that handles the poison that kills one of our kids of military age, that that drug dealer has to be dealt the very harshest penalty. Mm-hmm. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, finally well not finally yeah finally uh, tariffs um i don't believe in using tariffs for trade protection like trump did with steel mm-hmm. it added 800 steel jobs and it eliminated probably 80,000 other jobs so yeah. it doesn't t- trade tariffs uh, don't work however for national security i'm all in favor of using tariffs so my idea is this we know that about 97 to 98% of the chemicals to make the fentanyl drugs come from china that's where they come from. Yeah. Okay. We know that 97% of these fentanyl drugs come up through the southern border from the Jalisco and Sinaloa cartels. That's where it comes from. Yep. Let's stop making it our problem where we had lost 106,699 kids of military age. And that's mm-hmm. not a coincidence. You know China is softening up its target. I do believe that. Yeah. Um, and so let's stop making it our problem and make it their problem. I say we start with fifty percent tariffs on all goods and services from China, and fifty percent uh, tariffs on everything coming in from Mexico except for produce. I got that from a cold call actually. Woman's like, well, where would we get our food from? We live paycheck to pay. Okay, let's let's exempt your produce. Yeah. So. In three months, they that would double to 100%. Another three months, 200%, 400%. At the end of a year, it's 800%. Yeah. So uh, even Jeff Hurd probably wouldn't pay $360,000 to buy a $40,000 uh, Jeep Cherokee assembled in Mexico. You got it? Yeah. We will put them out of business. It will be quick. It will be painful for all involved, including us. Uh, but... It, Nobody right now, Brian, is speaking for these 106,000 dead kids every year. I know. Nobody's speaking for their parents, their grandparents, their sisters, brothers, their spouses, whatever it is. Nobody. And the reason for that is, by the way, it's the equivalent of 35 9-11-style terrorist attacks every year on our soil. And nobody cares. And the reason why is there's a death today in Portland. There's a death in Denver. There's a death, five in Chicago. You know, it's spread out all over the place. There's no one place that reporters can go and report on it if they were even inclined to do so.
0: And it's where people are desensitized to it. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you remember two years ago when somebody OD'd a fentanyl and you'd see the scary videos and commercials, it's like, Oh my gosh, like yeah. that's insane. Now it's like, whatever.
1: Yeah. My son lives in uh Parker I commutes to Denver three or four days a week by train. And he says, dad, it's every day. Somebody's yeah. smoking. Go, what does it smell like? It smells like cat urine. Yep, and he says he just has to get the heck out of there you know so yes. it's, it's ridiculous and it, 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 it's it's because we have a wide open border now the left will tell you that all these drugs are coming through ports of entry uh-uh. no. the ones they catch are coming through ports of entry um, for every for every uh, three illegals that come in that are uh, captured or whatever met at the border another one comes in On the side. Oh, yeah. So for every 300,000 that come in that we know about, there's another 100,000. That's where these drugs are coming in. Yeah, we had
0: a Mexican cartel specialist come on the podcast last year, and he was telling us about... Um, you know, how they get the fentanyl over how it's literally slave labor. It's like, yeah, we'll get you over the border, carry these backpacks and then we'll pick you up over there. And they're forcing people to do this, which is just horrible. You know, giving kids backpacks of fentanyl. And then
1: you look at the tens of thousands of kids that have disappeared. I mean, where's AOC. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. And, and you know, I, you almost have to ask yourself. Sorry, folks, I'll be your first congressman with a sense of humor. But um, <laughs> you almost have to ask yourself if Hunter Biden isn't involved in this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and the big guy maybe getting ten yeah. percent. Well, so. th- there
0: there was uh um, there was an interview with uh, I think he was an army guy. He was a National Guard out of Texas when they mobilized the the National Guard down there, and they had some um green beret unit kind of go down and help them. And what they were doing was guarding the border. But what they were really doing was like pulling people out of the river that were dying in the river, right. you know? And he said that they've found a group and you have the coyote or whoever's leading them over. They're carrying drugs, you know, and they're almost over the river and you have these families with kids. So you have all these soldiers. And one of them was the, the one that, it, that jumped in. And I think he drowned. He was like 19 um, as soon as they saw him coming up, the coyotes, the cartel guys, they grabbed the babies and just threw them in the river. Oh. So all the National Guard guys were I'm like, busy. "What the heck?" and jumping in, trying wow. to save these kids, while well, they grabbed their backpacks wow. and took off the other way. And and he brought up the <laughs> and anybody that's seen like Sicario or any of those movies, uh-huh. great. Um, the the tactic where they you know they'll send three trucks to get caught and then pass seven over here, you know, yeah. they, while well, they're getting caught. And and it always cracked me up, even when I worked in congress it was like you know we've had this many people illegally across the border right Mm -hmm. like how do you know that and like well we caught them and like how many did you not catch at this time like that people forget that number that gets thrown out there whether you agree with it or disagree with it you know that's like a fraction sure you know it's it's shoplifting yeah you know for every candy bar shoplifted only one gets caught out of 10 Mm -hmm. so it's the same if that right And, and and it's it's interesting. There must be an election coming up soon because you're seeing even on the Democrat side, some of these congressmen, senators, you know, say like, you know, we really need to fund border, border patrol better mm-hmm. and give them more tools and resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the Biden administration, like, yeah, we're, we're building
1: the wall, uh, you yeah, know, are selling off pieces of yeah, it is yeah, what they're
0: doing. I know, but it, it's a, uh, it's interesting that it only gets brought up during a presidential election.
1: Not year. for me. I, yeah, mean, I know. I, I mean, this has been a big thing you know for, what me I, for
0: years. From the side I'm talking, oh, yeah. the other side. And again,
1: folks, nobody seems to be advocating for these dead kids, Mm-mm. and I want to be that person.
0: And, and it's as it's as simple as, you know, some 18 year old out partying buys something, not buying fentanyl, and then dies. Yeah. Or I actually a have kid. A,
1: a friend. His uh, this kid was a codeine addict and his best friend was a, a, a opioid addict and they're in some halfway house you know trying to recover one of them went out and hooked up and got the codeine the other one got whatever he got mm-hmm. and the one that did the codeine was fine but his buddy started choking and spitting and dying from the fentanyl so he starts to give him mouth to mouth guess what he gets it he did he's died yeah. yeah yeah so it's just you know and they've even snuck it in
0: um, prescription drugs oh for sure like asthma medication yeah, that yeah. you know i can't afford to buy Advair, or whatever so i'm gonna go to mexico and buy yeah. a bunch of Advair for my kid <laughs> and then it did happen where somebody it was asthma medicine was fentanyl oh, it? you yeah know, it, it's just
1: you can't party like it's 1999 uh,
0: can you <laughs> no no it was bad back then yeah i, I i'm like cringe every day when my kids go to school oh right yeah now.
1: yeah and,
0: and it's uh
1: you know with my kids um uh, they were all pretty successful in high school and i sat them down in my office uh you know the week before they're headed out mm-hmm. to, to college i'm like look study hard get your a you know get your a's in your exams go out and party all you want mm-hmm. no pills no powders no potions <laughs> Not all of them That's listen. Good.
0: <laughs> I, I think mine are listening okay so far. Yeah. Or at least they're really good at hiding it yeah. right now. But um, oh, so Just to finish up on the yeah, immigration. Yeah, so
1: we did let 1.13 million in legally in 2022. I say let's really control the southern border. We will have let in 12 million unskilled laborers. We've checked that box, yep. I think. Um, let's uh, bring new people in based on merit. I say triple triple it. Because we need workers, and we need people that when they show up on our shores, they can help us immediately. Yes, not cost us four hundred and fifty-one billion dollars. We need doctors, no lawyers. We yeah, plenty of them. Too many lawyers. <laughs> doctors, <laughs> nurses, code writers, truck drivers, carpenters. Again, people who can immediately help the bottom line in America.
0: And would you be opposed to um, streamlining that process? Because what, no. you know, after COVID, you saw an uptick in in some of the ag community and even the skilled community where you had. People that have been working here seasonally for years, Mm -hmm. decades even, and now they're here illegally because the federal government shut down during COVID and wouldn't process their visas and stuff. And I've always advocated that, you know, do it right, but I think that process really needs to be streamlined because – it's
1: every process in this country needs to be yeah, streamlined yeah. seriously it, i mean it, we're it, so we're so bloated with government we're the largest government in the world i know it's ridiculous existed. Yeah. existed yeah so every process needs to be streamlined it's there's red tape everywhere yeah
0: and, and it's you know it used to be 3 months to get your visa approved then it went to 6 months and then it was like during covid it was like maybe in a year mm-hmm. you can get in it's like well yeah. how am i going to go work my job that i needing right.
1: for um So you asked me, you know, what's going on in the district? Eight out of ten people in this district live uh, paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that. I think that that's bad. Um, As again, I've been a financial advisor for 36 years. So I I guess, you know, by the way, got to put a shout out there from my uh, fellow opponent of mine here. There are nine engineers in Congress out of 535 people. Not to worry, though. Because there are 175 lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one of the top, of the top uh, <laughs> opponents here is a lawyer, as I'm yeah, sure you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I know what causes inflation. You know, it's high energy prices and it's printing money. Yep. And that has to stop. You know, we need to do at least come close to a balanced budget. So that's an issue. Now, um, a thing that drives us nuts as we travel there's less than 50% cell phone connectivity in this district. And we are working with uh, one of the two people who, one of the two businesses that built out cell towers in the nation in the 1990s. And they have told us that uh, we, you need less than one fourth as many cell towers in rural America because there's not as much traffic. Mm -hmm. So the typical radius of a cell tower, let's say here in Pueblo is six miles Mm -hmm. in rural America. It's 24 miles, but for some reason you can 't get that through the brains of the people that regulate the industry in Washington, yes. so we 're actively involved with that um, also have an idea that on roads where uh, uh wi fi what do you call it fiber optic is yes. that you don 't need a cell tower. you can just simply drill down you know hook up a router, put it on a pole, mm-hmm. and that would would act as a cell tower yep. so for me it's it's a it 's dangerous um, My wife, Lori, and I were headed to uh, L- the La Plata County Fair. Back in August, and we're driving from Carbondale to Paonia. That's 74 miles without any cell coverage. And there's a woman uh, at Paonia Reservoir. Her truck's broken down. She's waving us down. So we pull over, and she says, you know, whatever, truck broke down. I can't get a signal to my husband. When you get to Paonia, would you text him for us? And we did, and we picked up two new voters. Yes, (laughs) But it it just, you know, drives home to me. It's a safety issue. It's an education issue. I mean, if a kid's sitting in a school bus for 45 minutes, he or she could be doing their homework. But if they don't have connectivity, they're not doing their homework. Probably. So, you know, there's just a lot of uh, issues with it. I, I, yeah. That it, and it would be inexpensive. My idea is uh, to have the federal government probably kick in 10 to 15 cents on the dollar. That's all it takes. These these towers don't go up because they're not making money. It's mm-hmm. not that they cost a lot, but, you know, they're they're not, you know, meeting the margins that yeah. the telephone companies need.
0: Yeah, it's not um, of value for them to put it right. in, which we ran into around here a lot yeah. with some of these um communities that didn't have broadband or, you know, any type of access. Mm-hmm. they only have one signal there, so they need redundancy. Yeah. And um, I, I won't say the county because it's a work in progress, but, you know, one telecommunications company is like, why would we do that there? We won't make any money. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's my point. Th- so the
1: federal th- government's kicking in yeah. 10% a year. Now they're making money. Yeah. It and makes then, sense for them.
0: And, and the state's doing a little bit with it, but they're kind of um, – wishy-washy they're like yeah we'll give you some money but we own it yeah and yeah, that's yeah. the fight right now with the broadband expansion right. the
1: broadband I, you know the, the the state wants to charge i know going over to pagosa springs they want to charge them three hundred and thirty six thousand dollars a year yeah for that broadband to reach across wolf creek whatever that passes down there. yeah
0: it's it's a fight and we've done multiple shows on it so i won't bore yeah. you guys with this yeah, <laughs> with yeah. the broadband, so, But no that that's that's, that's a big where, issue i yeah, think yeah um and, and you're right i've Again, I've driven that so many times. I think I was the only staff member that didn't hit a deer going to the west so.
1: We haven't done that Not yet. On Sorry, I did. I, pa- I did it. pass a sheriff one night. <laughs> Look at Eric over there. No, don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we drive a lot. We're putting fifteen hundred yeah. miles a week on oh, the yeah. truck. Yeah, you know?
0: it's it's a it's a lot. Um, yeah. So okay. So I think when I when we talk to people in the Action Twenty Two area and basically all all over Colorado, you know, one thing that they're They're upset. First off, the cost of living, which you know that there's, we could spend five days talking about. Yeah,
1: and by the way, to to quantify that, prices in the western slope since Biden took office are up twenty five to thirty percent. Yes, we're above the national average, not the seventeen or nineteen percent. Yes,
0: I I know. And and even in some of the rural communities down here, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But safety, and it kind of goes back to the fentanyl thing. Um, You know, it's literally crime and safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm very disappointed that you know, we host the mayor debates and some of the stuff and talking some of the, to the legislature and their attitude is it's like that everywhere. Get used to it. Yeah. Like we can't do anything about it. It's like mm. that everywhere. And I know for a fact, it's not like that mm-hmm. everywhere because we've seen communities actively proactively work on crime, homelessness, this type of thing, drugs, and they're succeeding. But again, I
1: assume that those are conservative communities.
0: Uh, yes. You because could where we were last that.
1: night, this town has been decimated since Katrina, we were told, by several people. Yep. Katrina, people migrated here, and at first it was pills, then heroin, now fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And this town we were in was boarded up. And yep. it's just terrible to see. And, and, and it's, it's because of drugs. And it's
0: oh, – you could argue. So if I was being the – political nerd naysayer I'd be like yeah if you're elected to Congress there's nothing you can do about that that's more of a state issue or a local issue but that's not the truth Mm -hmm. so when somebody looks at you a voter looks at you and say like you know what I'm terrified right now and that's strong but you know my car's been broken into five times this month Mm -hmm. Um, I drive down the street there's people yelling at me and statistically and a lot of the politicians that are elected now they'll say statistically violent crime is down but Realistically, petty crimes way up. Yes, and that's what affects people. Broken
1: windows policing.
0: Yeah, I, it works. And, and
1: and if you don't know what that is, folks, that's if you. It's like my grandfather used to say, "If you watch the pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves." Well, with broken windows policing, as I'm sure, sure you know, Brian. Yes. That if you if you prevent petty crimes, uh, then you'll prevent the bigger crimes, and that's all there is to it. Giuliani showed that it worked in New York City, mm-hmm. it worked famously. And now it doesn't.
0: And the police right now are only dealing with the big crimes. They don't have the manpower to deal with the petty crimes. And And I
1: find that the place where we were last night is a Democrat county. So it's a Democrat sheriff. They have no police force in this town. Um, I can see why they don't have two diamonds to to rub together. But you have to enforce the laws. The Democrats don't believe that, but uh, it's a fact. You have to enforce the
0: laws. And, And the broken window Theory or whatever you want to call it—that's like, you know, if there's one broken window, there's going to be two broken windows, yep. and then five broken windows, and then your neighborhood like goes down the yep, drain. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's why
0: you got to concentrate on those windows and make sure there's no broken windows, no petty crime. Exactly, that makes it good. Yeah, but, but it, it, run
1: a tight ship. Yeah, I'm a marine engineer. Run yeah, a tight right. ship. I run a Batten tight down ship. down the hatches. Yeah.
0: Um. What? Here's one that I'm going to ask everybody. Um. And I always do. So I, I'm big on the veterans advocacy and and veterans issues. Um, the third district is interesting in that we're, we fall in three different veterans regions, Mm visits as they call them. So you have the West slope and you get down to the Southern part of the West slope and they fall in the New Mexico region. Mm -hmm. And then the West slopes in that region and the surrounding States. And then you have the Rocky mountain region, which is this side of the mountain. So Pueblo, but then you go down to Trinidad and that falls in New Mexico again. Mm -hmm. So you have the largest bureaucracy that, that, they're doing better, but I'm seeing them kind of fall back a little bit now. Like mm-hmm. they were, they were kicking butt for a while, and now they're you know two steps forward, four steps back. It right. seems like. Um, so you're dealing with three different regions of the VA. The VA is inundated with problems. If I go to the Pueblo VA clinic and then say I'm in Grand Junction and something happens, and I go in there, they don't, they can't even see my medical records mm. in Grand Junction, mm. and they probably won't even see me because it's a different mm-hmm. region. Um,
1: yet, yet. They want to uh, roll out public health care for $330 million exactly. markets, and they can't take care of 6 or $8 million, whatever and, it is. And,
0: and when the VA said, we can't take care of you, we're going to send you to the public sector. Yeah, right, right. And then, right. The, I mean, that and kind then we're of, not going to pay argument, right? yeah, 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 I, yeah, I know. And, and they're like, and then we're not going to pay them for two years, so nobody's yeah. going to see you in the public center, or sector with the VA card. But um, I think that the VA is over-bureaucratic. Mm-hmm. I think if you look Again,
1: at Again, it, it's everything. Yes. Everything in government is everything. We so need smaller government.
0: What What would you What would you do to address the problems with the well,
1: first off? Beef up my staff. Uh, we just walked by uh, an office here. That uh, is supposed to be staffed by um, our uh, non-congressional, um, no, yes, in and, and there was nobody there, and I'm told there's nobody there, but maybe one or two times every two weeks. So get your people to work and do their yeah. job and do it in the office. Show up if it's government, then run it. You know, it, it, I had a great boss. He said it's a business. Let's run it like a business. Yeah. Just because it's government doesn't mean you shouldn't yeah. run it like a business. There has to be accountability. There's so much government uh, that it needs to be reined in. So I'll, I'll just just for a second let me give you another idea that i have and we can come back to that um i I make a try to make a thousand cold call dials a week mm-hmm. but won't happen this week and I talk to so many people and I always end with you tell me what your issues are and this one fella says you know what I am so sick and tired of paying taxes on my social security benefits mm-hmm. so I looked at it. I never really thought about that before the government sends out a, a 1.35 trillion in social security benefits every year they suck back 125 billion via taxes that they throw back into their welfare state remember I told you 72 percent of all spending is is income redistribution so it's a way for democrats and the left to suck money out of the social security trust fund and put it back into their welfare state Mm -hmm. so do you remember rick perry's three agencies because he certainly didn't Uh, (laughs) i I don't (laughs) okay well i'll change the names the department of food stamps the department of uh, indoctrination and the department of red energy so between those uh three departments the department of energy education and agriculture between the three of them um they go through 474 billion dollars a year, I estimate that we could cut out all but three hundred. Uh, we could cut out three hundred and thirty-six billion of the four hundred and seventy-four billion. Still provide food stamps uh, to, to people, but block grant that to the states. The left hates that idea. They want to be in control of it in D.C. as if they know they have the exact finger on the pulse of the needs of people in Cortez from Washington, D.C. versus the the social service workers in Cortez. So let's block grant that to the states and let's control its growth. About 20 percent of food stamps is fraudulent. Uh, the, the, the handout. Um, and we could cut out $336 billion a year. We could use that money to totally eliminate the taxation of Social Security, and then we could beef up the Social Security Trust Fund, which is due to go broke, I believe, now in 2032. When it goes broke yeah. by statute, they have to reduce your benefits out there, your benefits, yeah. by 23%. So if you're bringing in you know, $1,000 a year it goes to, or a month, it goes down to $770 a month. Of
0: money that you already put in. Of money you already That's put in. Yeah. Cracks yeah. me up. This is money yeah. that I'm paying into right.
1: And then welfare. We spend and if you you can Google this up thirty times, you can get forty different answers. Uh, but we're spending somewhere between one point two and one point eight billion a year on welfare benefits. Let's say it's it's one and a half I say $1.5 two trillion and one point eight trillion. Let's say it's one point five trillion. Um, we could knock out 2% of that my grandmothers were both right idle hands do the devil's work let's put people back to work let's make people earn the dole let's, let's we're paying one out of every 8 Americans to stay home from work yeah. that's ridiculous our yeah. founding fathers had no concept of, of that at all so we could eliminate you know another 30 billion dollars a year we do that for 5 years that's another 150 billion by the time we're all said and done it's about a half a trillion dollars a year we could save that we could roll back into social and back into medicare to, to sustain those those programs for a longer period of time
0: and i've been seeing the mailers um they're just going against any republican running they say you're going to cut social security
1: no not at all in and- fact i'm going to start collecting in four months so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and it, it cracks me what My mother-in-law calls her. She's like, Is the, are the Republicans really going to cut Social Security? I'm like, no, they're no, not. No. It's, it's an election year. I, again,
1: I can see cutting out large swaths of the Department of Agriculture. you got to maintain. The our Department of Agriculture spent $195 billion last year. $119 billion was food stamps. Yeah. That's why I call it the Department of Food Stamps. Yeah. You're still going to have to send out the food stamps, but block ran it to the states. I don't know what else the Department of Agriculture does. I'm sure there's somebody listening that works with the Department of Agriculture and you get some benefit, God bless you. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. But uh, Department of Energy does nothing. This I just described this whole red energy thing as absolute nonsense. And the Department of Indoctrination has no business from D.C. telling us how to raise our kids in yeah. in the Roaring Fork Valley or in Pueblo or in Cortez or wherever. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great idea. And the idea really is let's not pay people to stay home from work. Let's pay the people who earned this money already, uh, that that made America great. Let's pay those people. It's their turn to retire. Let's take care of them with their money. Yeah. So, (laughs) so yeah. So back to, to, um, uh, veterans benefits. I I mean, I don't really, I haven't studied the issue. We have a group of veterans for us, we call Mm -hmm. them, and they advise us on, you know, priorities and the like. Um, and I, I really don't know that I'll have a handle on it until I get to Congress. Yeah. I mean, I can study the issue, but people aren't calling. Me. You know, do you know, Greg Rippey? Yes. Greg's a great guy. He's the chair of the Garfield County GOP. Yeah. And, um, you know, Greg told me that Russ, as long as you service your constituents, you can be in Congress as long as you want, mm-hmm. you know? Um, anyway, I also, Greg told me something that I find fascinating. Russ, when they call you, they're at the end of their rope. They don't know who else to turn to. So they're not turning to me right now because I'm not in Congress. But I know the issues are out there. We have people to help advise us on it. And um, that's got to be a top priority. You know, again, those are the people that protected our country. Let's take care of them the best way we can.
0: Yeah, I tell anybody running for Congress, hire a lot of caseworkers because that's the most important job you do. And, you know, for a a staffer, that's kind of like the – bottom of the ladder as far as a position goes, but it's the most important job in the yeah. office. And yeah. we always had caseworkers in every region mm-hmm. working nonstop. I think we, we closed out like 7,000 veterans. Good cases for you. Wow. The last five years. That's massive. And, and you're right. It's the people that call they' It's they're at the bottom. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're
1: the, they're hanging from position. a rope and they need yeah. help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the VA situation is complicated because the VA is three things. It's not just one thing. And going back to cutting the red tape, you know, you have a a VA health center, so the separate from the benefits, but just the healthcare side. You know, if you go to a normal hospital, I forget what the ratio is, but it's you know, for every three doctors, there's one admin person, or mm-hmm. every four doctors, there's one admin or management person. Like with the VA, it's flip flopped. It's like for every one. Healthcare professional, there's like seven bosses. That's
1: ridiculous. Them, That's another problem. A lot more money. Yeah. Than they make. So you need to have, I guess, consultants come in and say, look, you got to yeah. chop and you have to have the ability to chop and get around unions or whatever else. Yeah. Um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, was a, a great ski racer, number two ranked downhiller in the social, in the junior ranks uh, when she was a kid. And, um, Got injured a bunch of times. So what should I do now, Dad? I said, have have you heard of dermatology? No, Mm -hmm. what's that? But uh, now she's the chief resident dermatologist at her hospital. Is moving back to the Roaring Fork Valley this year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That that is cool. But she says, Dad, the clinical part is it's a dream. It's so exciting to actually work with patients. The government, though, has come up with thousands, tens of thousands of codes for for everything. And it's so redundant. She says, I literally spend as much time messing around with the government requirements Yep. As I do, you know, the, the clinician work. So, it, again, anything you are in gov- – any place you are in government, there's too much red tape. Yeah. I, I worked uh, out of school. I worked for NAVC. I, I helped design the DDG-51 destroyer. Mm-hmm. I worked on the trials process for the uh, FFG-7 frigate and for the Ticonderoga-class uh, cruiser. I worked there for two years. And we would take uh, – you know, a bolt, there was a little something that was leaking on a valve, right? Mm-hmm. So we come up with a fix for it. We had to send it around to 30 to 35 different engineers. And they one guy would change a comma. And then we had to turn, you know, it turn all 35 engineers. Yep. So, I mean, I would say that maybe we adjudicated 5% of what I, what was there when I, when I first got there. Mm-hmm. That's how government works. There's no incentive to produce. So yeah. that, maybe you, you need to in, invite some incentive to produce. To, For example, as you probably know, I'm sure you know, that in the departments I worked at, if they didn't spend their full budget by the end of September, oh, yeah. they got a cut the next year. To me, if you don't spend your full budget, maybe pay a little a fraction of that out in terms of an employee bonus.
0: Um, that was uh, in the military, that's range day, where you go to the range and fire 20,000 <laughs> rounds right. of ammo so you get it back next year. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun (laughs) but it was literally at the end of the fiscal year load up a truck have all this ammo and just sit at the range for eight hours and fire ammo just like
1: range day that's
0: great we gotta shoot it so we get it back next year you know you see that i've i've seen horror stories where you have a department in the federal government that buys you know two thousand ipads to use Mm -hmm. and like five trucks yeah and then they don't use them so they destroy them so they Buy five thousand yeah. more iPads for the next.
1: One year. of my closest friends, his wife, sold uh hardware, uh, mm-hmm. you know, computing hardware to to the government. Her busiest month of the year was September.
0: Yeah, every year. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, there was no going on vacation. Anything.
0: Yeah. So, as we get to the end of this, why should people support you and vote for you?
1: I, you know, I have policies. Nobody else in this race has policies. Uh One re- uh, prominent Republican, his policy was to bounce Lauren Bobert. Mission accomplished. Mm. Adam Frisch, Bounce and Bobert. mission accomplished. I actually have 27 different planks. Just a couple of others briefly. Um, our ranches, we have 39,000 ranchers in the state, and they are terrified about this wolf reintroduction. Yes. Um, so uh, Perry Will, you know Perry, I'm yes. sure. Perry's my state senator in what is a dead blue, cobalt blue uh, Senate last year and a cobalt blue House and a cobalt blue governor's mansion. Perry introduced 14 pieces of legislation. 13 of them got turned into law, and one got vetoed. And that was the ability to protect your livestock and animals Mm -hmm. from wolves, from predation. Um, My idea is really simple, that uh, if a rancher loses any kind of livestock to any state-owned animal, whether it's a coyote, a mountain lion, a bear, or a wolf, that he should be remunerated. hate that word. (laughs) Compensated. (laughs) Compensated to the tune of five times the market value. These ranchers, they fall in love with these animals. If, yeah. if you have a prize bull that's worth $25,000, these guys cry when they lose them. Um, so I think that if we can uh, you know, put $87 billion into the IRS, we could probably put a few million dollars into hiring rapid response teams uh, throughout the Intermountain region, and they need to show up uh, at a wolf uh, you know, killing or wolf or bear or whatever within 24 hours yeah. like it's a crime scene. And they need to compensate the rancher. Within a week, not some two, three months down the road deal. Yeah, And, and that'll, ranches are the greatest s- stewards of our ecosystem and, and mm-hmm. they have to know the wolves are coming. We're not going to be able to stop them at this point. Um, so let's make them embrace the concept mm-hmm. and you embrace it by, by uh, compensating them for the loss. And then one last thing that I'm really big on, and this would be the first piece of legislation that I think I could get done uh, in the house well, in Washington. And that's regarding beetle kill. Uh, Beetle kill might not not be important right here in Pueblo, but it's really important in the other 20-some-odd counties in our district. There are 900 million dead beetle kill trees. What's the problem with that? Wild wild land fires. And if you are a a global warmingist, you know that the sky is falling person, I'm not. I'm a signatory to something called the Oregon Petition, which basically says that uh, global warming is not – Uh, an existential threat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's not a big deal to me, but these 900 million dead trees, they put off 25% more greenhouse gases in the forest ecosystem. And it's not carbon dioxide as much as it is methane. Methane is 28 times more powerful as a greenhouse gas as is carbon dioxide. So my idea is pretty simple right now. Of course, the government disincentivizes taking that lumber out. They charge you a small fee. Yes. My idea is to turn around and pay people five bucks a log whatever it is uh, for 300 million trees, that'd be one and a half billion dollars. It's yeah. a drop in our federal. Right. Um, and then more importantly, anything they fashion out of it, whether it be a table, a chair, mm-hmm. paneling, the paneling from this stuff costs a fortune. I know. Yeah. Uh, let them sell that free of federal income taxes.
0: Yeah. And it, there was a, uh, we tried to, do some legislation similar to that. And we even had this part of the forest service on it. Like the forest service came in and testified, this is great. We need this. And mm-hmm. it got, it just got shut down. Yeah. And it was, it was more of the environmentalist, like kind of, yeah, they don't want they you to don't go chop down trees. It's like, there is something called mitigation. Yeah. And that's nature's way is a fire. And we don't yeah. want that. Right. So, you know, and, and, and as I
1: tell people, if we don't manage the forest, the forest yeah. will manage themselves. Yeah.
0: And, and going back to one of the communities that, as in the third district, we had city council and county commissioners trying to get a letter of support for our, um, I forget, wildfire mitigation, something, something act, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're like, we won't sign that. We don't want you to cut down the trees behind our houses. Yeah. And it, it was a simple one. It actually was mitigating um, utility poles huh. that go through the forest and then some of the beetle kill that would come out of it and mitigating that. And they were opposed to it. And they're like, this is terrible. This is just evil Republican right-wing way to chop down our trees and yeah. our forest. Well, these aren't
1: trees. They're dead.
0: I know. They, I know. But they look pretty. And yeah, then, Not really. I, I know. This is what they said. Yeah. They're like, we like the view. And then a fire came. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, we need help. The fire's uh-huh. coming up to our yeah. utility lines in the back of our houses. And we're like, you know, a year ago, we were trying yeah. to deal with this problem. Tough. And this is yeah. why. And then the next session of Congress, they signed on right away. They're like, no, we get it now.
1: And by the way, uh, Lauren Boebert actually is quick to point this out. So we have 900 billion dead trees here. Mm -hmm. In the 10 Intermountain State region, it's 6 billion. Yeah. And I estimate we can get to a third of that, 2 billion trees. Think what that would do for lumber costs.
0: I know. Bring them right down. And maybe we could reopen up some of those sawmills here. Yeah, yeah, right. Close down because it's too expensive. Um, What else do you want to cover before we...
1: Uh, Oh gosh! I talked about Social Security. Yeah, what did we miss, Eric? I think we covered all the big ones. ones, Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is important to us. Um, As you know, I'm sure your listeners know, your viewers uh, know that all 100 uh, viewers uh, know and 10,000 listeners. Yeah, that in 2022, when Don Corum lost to Lauren Bobert, he lost again. You know, two to one. uh, That. Don um, immediately turned around and endorsed Ad, Aspen Adam Frisch, the Democrat, mm-hmm. you know, instead of Lauren. And I, I think that's just sloppy. It looks stupid. It makes us look as Republicans. It makes yeah. us look like idiots. So Don, uh, for his part, has now endorsed Jeff Hurd and is advising Jeff Hurt, I'm told. So we came up with a unity pledge that we sent out to Lauren Boebert. Uh, another person who's kind of in the race, I guess, and um, and myself and Jeff Hurd. So this is 37 days ago now. And uh, Jeff ignored it. Uh, Lauren agreed to abide by it within three days. Mm-hmm. So that, on her part, now that doesn't matter. She's out of our district. Yeah. Um, last night we were at a meeting with Jeff, and I asked him point blank, will you sign the pledge? And you know what he said? Mm-mm. He said no. So that's it. So I – I think, you know, if I win the nomination and Jeff supports Aspen Adam Frisch, I just think that's going to look really bad. Or if anyone else besides Jeff wins it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that it's important if you have Jeff on, ask him. You know,
0: He will be on. He's our, our next show after All right, this. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah. Ask him. I mean, you know, he's, he might say something like, well, it depends on whether or not I like the person or, or their character or whatever. No, to me, if you're wearing team red, you're wearing team red. Yeah. You know, we can all play in the game, and uh, if you lose the game, you still got to wear team red. Yep. So,
0: if somebody wants to find out more about you or contribute, where do they go?
1: Go to Russ, uh, the number four, CD3.com, Russ for CD3.com. Feel free to make a donation.
0: <laughs> always ask for money, right? Absolutely. I think that's the first rule. Is like <laughs> ask for money. Oh, oh pain just in the, the neck. worst part. Oh, of it just know. sucks. And, and that, that's a, going back to action twenty two, and making action happen. Um, yeah. I'm chasing money right now for us as well. It's like my most hated thing to do is pull up the phone and be like, "Hey." You like what we're doing? Can you yeah. just send us some money? But well, you know, some people
1: help. are just simply predisposed. Yeah. So we make all these cold all The other day, I ended with the, this elderly woman, and oh, tell me you're not a rhino, and tell me this about you. And da, da, da. says, okay, well, send me an envelope, but make sure you put a return stamp on it. I hate when people ask me for money, and then I got to put the stamp on the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But my point is, some people are just predisposed to donate; they get it. Other people yeah. are, are yeah. no idea what it takes yeah. to run a campaign,
0: and, and it's tough. You know, people are hurting now, but yeah. Surprisingly, there's still money out there. Yeah, you know, there it, is. It blows my mind the amount of money that some of these candidates are raising. Yeah. You know?
1: And we haven't totally focused on that yet. I loaned my campaign a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, we still have 200, 225000 in the bank. We are very good stewards of donor yep. money. We just don't blow through it. We look at other yeah. campaigns, like a woman running in CD four. It's amazing the money they go through. Yeah, we're not like that. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we take care of the money, and we're trying to build up a war chest so we can we can sprint to the finish.
0: Yeah, and it, it's tough in the third district because what you have four or five media markets. Yeah, right now is it five? Five, yeah. five media markets. Mm-hmm. So that everybody asks, like, why is it so expensive to run in the third district? I'm like, well, if you run in Springs, you have one media market. Denver, right. you have one. Third, because you got to hit what New Mexico Springs, Denver, West Slope. Um, yeah, so it's it's tough, it's massive. And so, if you if you like a candidate, if you like what you hear, that money is important, whether it's five bucks or whatever the max. Yeah. Is. And
1: make sure folks, at least from my perspective, I think it's important. Find a candidate that cares about you. Yeah. That cares about your needs. I mean, we're, we're not going to be like, I'm not going to care about you more than I care about my wife and kids, but I care about my fellow citizens in the Western slope. And I care about the problems that plague us. And I'm willing to come up with solutions and, and, and talk to them. Yeah. Like
0: talk to the candidate, especially now going into the election, they're going to be out there. They're going to be in front of people. Um, one frustrating thing is somebody that always complains about something. My dad, and then I'm like, I literally have a congressman and senator right here in front of you. You could tell him anything that you want, any concern you have. And he's like, No, I'm fine. Yeah, And yeah, you yeah. see that so much. It's like, they're well, people. you know,
1: I was like that too back when I was shy, yeah, like four or five years ago. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but I tell people, that's like, <laughs> no, but I mean, people yeah. is like, Well, I don't know if I go talk to that guy, is he really gonna listen? Well, I do. And good. I know other guys do, too. Yeah. You know, we listen. I I started off with, I think, 18 planks, and I'm up to 27. Yeah. The nine new planks I got from talking to people.
0: Exactly. And that's why yeah. it's important to talk yes, it to is. these people. Right. Talk to these candidates. Yeah. And and you'll remember them, too. Oh, absolutely. Like 100% that if you're in this business, you're going to have a good sense of people, and you're going to remember the people yep. you meet, and those stories are going to travel with you. So, again, talk to these candidates. Talk to your elected officials because they will remember and it makes a difference
1: yeah and i'll tell you i've developed a knack and i imagine most other the public servants do this i used to be lousy with putting names and faces together Mm -hmm. man i have so improved because you sit there and you stand there and you listen and you're like okay that guy's name is brian and this is his concern and and
0: that's your job too yeah that's yeah that's the most important job this guy is
1: fantastic (laughs) i have a great campaign manager i mean he's a slave driver <laughs> but we're having fun together yeah you know when you travel around in a truck for 25 hours a week with someone you get to know them pretty well yeah oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well um thanks for coming on and um, if you're if you like what you hear and you want to learn more go to the site um, making action happen does not support or endorse candidates during an election season but, but we if he were going members. to endorse one it would be me <laughs> he said it, not me uh, um, but uh, we, we do support all members of action 22 so if you're a member of Action 22 running for office, please come on our show. Um, We'll give you the platform and talk to us. Um, The views and opinions on making action happen do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Action 22, its board or its membership. And with that, we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you very much, folks. Thank you, Brian.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.